What's up, everybody? It's your boy Antoine TV2, the host of Organized Mess, and I am back with a brand new episode for y'all today. Hope everybody's having a great day today. Hope everybody's having a good work week. And I hope everybody's just chilling, living life, and enjoying themselves and living life to the fullest. You feel me? So, like each and every episode, I got banger and great topics to talk about and some wonderful wrestling news as well, too, for all my wrestling. Fans, WWE, AEW, Impact, DPW, etc. Type fans out there, and I don't even need to. I don't even need to say anything more. Need I say anything more? You already know how each and every episode goes for my OGs out there. If you don't, and if you're new to this podcast, grab your popcorn, grab your drinks, go grab somewhere comfortable to sit, and let's get right in today's episode. So. First thing I want to talk about before getting to the actual main topics, uh, honorable mention that I do want to say is that Jade Cargill, because at that at one point I called her Cargill, which is actually Cargill, but Jade Cargill is officially signed to WWE on a multi-year contract, bruh. Big dub by WWE, bruh. Man, oh man, the matches that I will see with this woman is going to be crazy. Some people said that she should go to NXT to, you know, perfect her craft a little bit more, like on the mic and everything. A lot of people said she should go to the main roster, either Raw or SmackDown. And I'm going to give my opinion on that. So me personally, would I like to go, would I like to see her go to NXT? Not really. Like, she can probably bounce NXT, like, go back and forth from the main roster to NXT just for time to time. But I don't want her to be, like, full-time on NXT before she immediately goes to the main roster. I'm like, I don't think any person that big in their career should go to NXT, honestly. Unless you're, like, you know, obviously you've seen, like, Baron Corbin and Becky Lynch going down, helping out, you know the younger stars and, you know, trying to, you know, get them over to the main roster. Like, that's understandable. But, like, a main roster star like Jade herself that was on AEW, the former TBS champion, was undefeated 50-0. and Bruh, like, she does not need to go to NXT at all, man. She needs to jump straight to the main roster, either Raw or SmackDown, probably, probably on SmackDown, more likely because... Raw is already taken up by a lot of great storylines. We already got, like, you know, Jay trying to be, you know, amend, like, all the bad shit that he did when he was with the bloodline, and also dealing with Cody Rhodes and, you know, a pissed-off Kevin Owens that doesn't even trust him and a Sami Zayn, that Sami Zayn that happily opened his ass back in his arms versus the whole Judgment Day and J.D. McDonough. Then you have the whole, like, storyline. With Gunther, like, still demolishing people. And Chad Gable slowly working his way back to the IC title picture. And then we have stuff with Shinsuke Nakamura and and um, and um Seth freaking Rollins and all that type of shit. And it, it's like, it's, it's so much storylines. On top of that, the whole Nia Jax coming in, the entire picture. And, you know, wiping out and probably get her once with Rhea Ripley. And probably a little bit of Raquel Rodriguez as well, too. Like, there's so much shit going on with Raw. I don't think that she will fit in just immediately, just place her in the middle of everything, and then she's going to pick up where the fuck they're going to do with Nia Jax. Like, I don't know. But if they do put her on Raw, it will be a hell of a battle between Nia Jax and 
and Jade. I'm not going to lie, bro, because Jade is a dominant woman. She's basically like Bianca Belair 2.0, if you do, if you ask me, bro. Like, honestly, that's all, that's all she is, really. And she she's the physique just like Bianca. Everything about her is like fucking Bianca, just in a very taller, a little bit more muscular form of Jade. So... If they put Jay versus Nia, I wouldn't be mad at that. Jay will probably give her the beats and give her the one-two combo without, like, like two pieces of chicken, no biscuit, no Popeyes, you feel me? So, I, like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be mad at that. But if you put her on SmackDown, <laughs> oh, shit. Put her on SmackDown. Either you have her teaming with Bianca or going against Bianca. Which 95% of us said going against Bianca. And oh boy, that match would be fire. Jade Cargill versus Bianca Belair. Two of the best black woman powerhouses in the fucking wrestling business, bro. Oh my lord. That that match would be chef's kiss. Probably an easy five-star classic. Like, oh my god. And I wouldn't be mad at all. I would be looking forward to this match. A hundred percent at WrestleMania as well, too. I don't really care if it's at any other PLE, but WrestleMania, yes, it should a hundred percent be WrestleMania. And I know that there, I heard that there's some other people besides uh besides Jay that's supposed to come to WWE. Like I heard Ricky Starks is another one. I heard like some people like Warlow, like rumored supposed to, you know, be interested in WWE. And, like, some other, like, stars on AEW roster are supposed to be coming to WWE in the next couple of years. So, this will be a very good thing for WWE to pick up a lot of Ws because Jay Cargill and Cody Rhodes was two of the biggest major Ws that WWE has made. One in 2022 and the next one in this, in this like, basically yesterday, you feel me? So... I'm happy that Jade Cargill is in WWE. I'm happy because the matches that we're going to see with this woman is going to be amazing. And I know I know that in AEW, I think she had like a manager or so. Which, honestly, this is Jade we're talking about. She don't need no fucking manager. Let's be completely honest. She could cut a promo and, you know, <laughs> and she can, she can run for the hills and it can go anywhere and it will go anywhere and it's going to go up. You feel me? I don't, and I heard like a, um, a funny, uh, a funny skit. It was like a skit, but more like a funny uh post where it's like, we got Cody now, we got we got Jade now. All we need is who told you tonight was open night, Mike bitch. <laughs> like that's like all, like if they said all we need is Brady and it's just complete. You feel me? And I'm like, bruh, <laughs> I, that that's like the funniest thing I remember from Brady and like a little like one of the funniest lines that I. Her when it was like the whole thing with Jade versus like Brandy in a promo. And that that line will always be rent free in my head. Who told you tonight was open night, my bitch? <laughs> that would be that's always gonna be like a fucking a fucking line in my head that's rent free, bruh. Because I just wanna go up to somebody one day and be like, bro, who told you you could come up to me? Bitch, <laughs> like, come on, with that whole attitude that Brady has. Oh boy, I just want Brady to come back and just do that one line and just defend her husband again. But in WWE, Jesus, that shit would be not only funny, but we're like, yes, the famous line is back. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad, man. 
I wouldn't be mad if it's like Bianca Belair saying that line. It, it would be good, but it won't be as brandy good. You feel me? It would be fire if you know if they pulled off the same shit like what they did a couple of years back when when Jay did confront Cody Rhodes in AEW at the time. I mean, yes, it'll be a fire promo, but it won't hit as hard as fucking Brandy Rose, bro. And I'm telling the fucking truth. If that line will never hit as hard as anybody else besides Brandy Rose, bro. On the mic, she was God mode before Roman Reigns was even God mode, bro. Mike, Mike Sessions was all fucking Brandy, bro. And now it's like... The promos is, is going to I'm looking forward to the promos. I'm looking forward to just open mics just randomly coming out of nowhere. I'm looking for her wrestling, like her wrestling skills and everything to improve. Because obviously, from AEW, for a big star like that, for Tony Khan to basically fumble the bag on, like, and just not put her in the main event scene for the women's division is beyond me the dumbest thing I've ever seen, bruh. Like... Tony Khan is the definition of I fumbled the bag and I don't know what the fuck to do from here. And I will say this. Outside of this whole CM Punk shit that happened, like, nigga is the definition of fumbling the bag to great wrestlers, bro. I mean, but that's every company, let's be completely honest. But Tony Khan is like one of the niggas that's like, yeah, you fumbled the bag completely on like your biggest names possible, bro. Like, Jay Cargill is one of them. Cody Rhodes is definitely one of them. If I need to say more fucking, what, Warlow? Like, that nigga had a run for a minute and his momentum died down in a matter of fucking seconds after that. Like, Andrade, that was a nigga that was, uh, and then went downhill. Like, there's so much motherfuckers on the WWE list that transferred to AEW. Uh, AEW and AEW just basically made them either into they put them in their either um either like uh factions that probably is hidden but not as hidden as much or jobbers that's in the main like not in like the uh I won't say the main event scene but that are in like the mid card division but are not getting that much rec- like recommendation in the mid card like division but it's like eh we, we see you you're there but it is what it is. And then the only people that's in, like, the upper room that people love right now is um, is Soraya, a little bit of Tony Storm, um, MJF, Samoa Joe, uh, Claudio, um, was it Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Orange Cassidy, and some other people that I'm in, uh, and maybe a little bit of uh, Isaiah Strickland, Swerve, Scott. So... That's you probably your only ones that's like somewhat in the picture, and that people love. Besides, you know, and besides, and also besides of what is it? Uh, I can't even think. FTR as well too. But everybody else is either just was used to be known and not known no more because of Tony Khan bullshit ass booking, and him can't really stitch shit together without you know last second approach, and it's like. The whole miss with Jade is you had her, like, I'm not mad that you had her lose her title. I'm not mad at that. I'm mad that you didn't put her immediately in the AEW World Championship contenders, like, podium. You put her back in the mid-card podium, which didn't make no fucking sense. As a, like, nigga, really? 
You know Jay's top is a top star, a main event top star, and you put her back into the mid card position. Tony Khan is, if he doesn't keep his, if he's gonna get his shit his like his shit together, nigga's gonna fail tremendously. And like, do you think WWE cares? No, because they picked up technically the biggest woman in the AEW division. And they stole her ass and signed her a multi-deal contract with WWE. Like I said, she might be here for three years, four years, five years, six years. We don't fucking know how long she's going to be in here for. But all we know is that that is a multi-year contract. So they probably put that shit up to full max capacity and gave her the works. Because what what AEW is not going to do, what AEW won't do, WWE will. And they will treat this woman like fucking royalty, you goddamn right. They will treat this woman like royalty. Tony Khan should have treated Jade like royalty, but didn't. Like, don't know what the fuck was wrong with Tony Khan. Why he didn't treat her like royalty? At like, you know, from the jump. I'm not talking about from like the jump after she lost, like, you know, before the whole TBS thing. I'm talking about after the whole TBS shit. Like, you should immediately be like, okay, she was 50 and old. She just she had her first loss in a very long time. Let's finally put her. In the main event scene of AEW Women's Division. No. No, they didn't do that. Dumbest decision by Tony Khan's stupid ass self. I know that he said. I know that he said like, you know, obviously she wishes her, you know, he wishes her best in her future's endeavors and stuff like that. But Tony Khan, you're, you are a dumbass nigga when you, when I can fucking tell, bro. And this is one of the moments where I say you're dumb as hell for letting go a person like, well, I wouldn't say letting go, more like giving her what she needed after she lost that title, but didn't give it to her because your decision making is so fucking stupid and so oblivious that you don't realize, you don't really see it till, till A, it's too late, or B, they're gone and left the company. And uh, t- Tony Khan needs to get his shit together. He needs to get his act together because you're, you're not looking good, bro. Like, I'm a WWE fan. That is a big-ass steal from WWE, bro, especially from the women's division. Like, you see how much people they fucking cut just to get Jade? And I, like, real talk, bro. They cut so much people to get, like, the one of AEW's best women. So I'm letting you know right now, Jade, this is a steal for WWE, and I'm with it 100%. But niggas and fucking AEW, get your shit together. God damn. But I'm looking forward to Jade um, on the main roster. More likely, that's where she's going to be at. And I'm basically looking forward to the matches that we're going to see from her, man. This is this is a wonderful thing in wrestling news right now, bro. Wonderful thing. And I can't be and I can't be much uh, much happier than this. So now that I got through about talking about uh, Jay Cargill. And uh, having a WWE take a massive dub with uh, bringing her into the to the company, we're gonna see what she shows off in front of the WWE crowd. But there's other stuff that I do want to get uh, talk about and give my thoughts and opinions about. And starting with one of the uh, first ones on the list um, is the whole like it is it, the whole thing with the whole Rock. And uh, Roman situation happening at WrestleMania 40. Yes, I did cover a little bit um, about it, if it, if it is a good idea or not, in the last episode. But in this episode, this topic, I want to cover um, what should happen. 
leading up to WrestleMania 40. And I personally, I I personally, this is my thoughts and this is my opinion about it. If you're going to do Rock versus Roman, it should be for the lay of Tribal Chief. I'm going to say it one more time. If you're going to do Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania 40, the bigger blockbuster match than Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania 40, it should be for the lay to become Tribal Chief, not the title itself. That doesn't make sense. I say that because as big as Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, and as big as Roman Reigns has came up in the industry till he to where he is right now, these two men do not need a title involved in, the, in their match. I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. Yes, even though I do want Cody Rhodes to finish the story like he should have done at WrestleMania 39, but WWE did not pull the trigger because they were doubting on pulling the trigger at that time. And now they're pulling the trigger at WrestleMania 40. As big as Cody Rhodes and Roman will be for the second time in WrestleMania history, it doesn't need to be that way again. Yes, I would love for Cody Rhodes to take the title off of Roman at the biggest and grandest stage of them all. Yes, I would love to see him finish the story and get the title that his father could never get. Yes, I understand that this is a bigger thing than Cody in, uh, in basically 100-plus years or ever since his dad was in the, you know, the WWE. But on paper and a business standpoint and a money-making move match, it's going to be The Rock versus Roman. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. Because when it comes to Rock and Roman, it's this is for much more than just a title, than just a belt. This is more like family going against family. Like where we have Jimmy versus going like going against Jay. Like we already have that. We have families divided into the bloodline. Like we know this. But to put to make matters even more interesting, it should be for the lay of the tribal chief. Because Rock can obviously because we see that Rock is not involved in the blood in you know in the bloodline storyline right now because he doesn't want to be. And plus, there's a lot of rumors that said, oh, he's supposed to be at Elimination Chamber so he can go against Roman. No. He cleared that up a couple week, a couple days back that he's not going to be in the Elimination Chamber. Hell, I don't even think he's going to be at the Royal Rumble either. So it's he's going to basically make his announcement known after Elimination Chamber that he will go against Roman, but it's not going to be for the title. It's not going to be for the title at all. It's going to be for, you know, for Tribal Chief. And it's going to be more likely to take away that, you know, the power that Roman was given all those years ago and basically just end the reign of terror that Roman is doing on himself and on his own family and basically, basically manipulating everybody to do his work for him because he's too lazy to do his own work for himself. And in in like I said, in my mind, this is a bigger money match because, you know, like I said, how big these two mega superstars are, a belt cannot define their legacy. It can't. I mean, yes, he did at the at the beginning of Roman's reign as Universal Champion before he was undisputed Universal Champion. Yes, he his his whole tribal chief gimmick 
did or does still revolve around the title. It still does to this day. But how big he's gotten over the past three years versus, you know, The Rock and his whole entire legacy, we can see we can see that with The Rock and with Roman, this is bigger than a title match. This whole thing, if it comes to play, that The Rock and Roman needs to fight this out in the best way they know possible. A tribal combat match. Family versus family. Blood versus blood. Samoan versus Samoan. And it needs to happen at WrestleMania. And I'm going to say this. As much as I love Roman, as much as I love The Rock, I I will say this repeatedly. The title does not need to be in a WrestleMania match between these two professionals right here. It does not need to happen. And there's an article from Wrestling uh, Wrestling Republic explaining their reasons why the Undisputed Universe Championship does not need to be at WrestleMania or it does not need, need to be defended at WrestleMania. And it says... It has always been my strong belief that a truly successful championship reign should not only elevate the title and the person holding it, but should also help elevate the person who dethrones them if there is a long championship reign. You you don't build up Roman for three years as an unstoppable champion to have him drop it to someone that can't possibly be more uh, elevated or over than The Rock is. The Rock is already on top of Mount Everest over... Oh, sorry. The Rock is already on top of Mount Everest over when it comes to popularity and status as a goat in the business. Winning the championship one more time is just a number and does nothing for him, for the company as a whole long as a whole long term thing. For the people that want The Rock to win the title again at WrestleMania 40, I ask you, you get your moment. Then what do you think The Rock is coming back full time or is ever or is even the Roman schedule to defend it? No, that is never going to happen. This is not 1999. We are not getting The Rock back even on a part-time schedule. After WrestleMania, he is done, and the only reason we are getting him now is probably because of the Hollywood strike. Winning the title again gets the gets them uh, gets the press coming out of WrestleMania, but was having Roman's dominant reign worth the monetary press? No, it is not, because as the company you need to be thinking long-term about, the company as a whole and what talent will actually be there will be there post WrestleMania to carry the company forward. If The Rock wins, what is he going to do? Lose it to the next night on Raw or vacate it so there's a tournament? Neither one of Roman's reigns ending make any sense as it just seems like a wasted opportunity to make like a waste opportunity to make someone. During Roman's reign, there has only been three men that could logically would have made sense storyline wise to end it. Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, and Cody Rhodes. Jay and Sami are on separate brands. Sorry, J- yeah, Jay and Sami are on separate brands. But to be honest, well, at, at the time when they made this, they were on separate brands. Now they are together on the same, on, you know, on Monday Night Raw. But to be honest, are either one of them truly, are truly strongly over enough to face the company for merchandise and popularity? I don't think so. I really do like both men. Cody Rhodes is still a logical choice as someone that can be the most, sorry, that can 
make the most of it now from a popularity merchandise move uh, mover and a medium appearances as the face of the company. I hear some people mentioning Solo Sokoa being the one of uh, being the one to end Roman's reign, and I cannot emphasize this enough that it would be a horrible move and will fail miserably. Solo is nowhere near ready for that spot. He has done absolutely absolutely nothing of note to even remotely justify being one to do it. He has worked he has he has worked no single programs since coming to the main roster outside of being Roman's henchman and barely working barely worked any in NXT. He is the wrong choice if you are choosing him now as he has shown nothing in the ring in my opinion that says that would be successful transition. Whoever beats Roman needs to be someone that can carry the torch and be the face of the company. And to be perfectly honest, there is no other there is no there is no one else that makes more sense than Cody Rhodes from business and storyline standpoints. Finally, from a merchanting from a marketing standpoint, the title isn't needed either as two of of The Rock's most iconic matches of his career did not need a title to sell them. Both The Rock versus Hollywood Hogan at, from WrestleMania 18 and The Rock versus John Cena from WrestleMania 28 were both sold on the dream match standpoint. Adding a title st- stipulation isn't needed because the tagline of who is the true tribal chief is strong enough as it is to sell this match. Even casual fans, if they see The Rock on a billboard, they'll be interested Interested, and the title isn't needed since they likely won't stick around watching long-term to the product. So it makes no sense to sacrifice long-term booking for the product for for the own for the I only watch WrestleMania crowd. There is a way to there is a way for Cody to finish the story, but it's not being at WrestleMania 40. As much Cody com, um, completing the story Rocky Two style at WrestleMania 40 is the best is the best way storyline wise. They now have an alternative which they may will they which they may just be fitting. With the Royal Rumble taking place in the state of Florida, it may be a phenomenal alternate uh, alternative that has very strong ties to the Rhodes family. We all know Cody. We all know Cody was the was an EVP for AEW, which is headquartered by Jacksonville and arguably his legendary father, Dusty Rhodes, had some of his greatest success uh, successes in the ring of Florida Championship Wrestling. So there, so there may not be a better place for Cody to finish the story than the place that was meant so much to his family. From a storyline standpoint, Cody Rhodes somehow got Jey Uso traded to Raw, and no one announced at the time of the writing at the writing this. Why not let it be the person traded to SmackDown in return be Cody Rhodes? They could totally make it work as this is now this now puts Cody on the same brand as Roman and most importantly on the same brand with the championship that is indulged his family since 1977. In January, Cody could easily cut a promo saying, Roman, I told you I wasn't done with this with you after WrestleMania. I have a, a story to finish and we both know I couldn't finish that story on Raw as the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship is there on SmackDown and there's only cha- there is only and that is the only championship I can finish the story. Roman will of course find a way to uh will find a way back out of this challenge as he knows that no one has come closer than uh than Cody to dethroning him and that was when he had his whole bloodline supporting him. Now Jay is gone, Jimmy is reluctantly there but can't be trusted and Solo is now a wild card. Cody 
Cody then says, I knew you you would probably try to back out of this, Roman. That's why I asked the host of the Royal Rumble for this match. Roman and Paul looked all confused when he said host of Raw, host of the Raw, uh, Rumble. But then music hits and comes out the rock and shock and the shock of everyone and says the most electrifying host in all of sports entertainment wants to give the people the most electrifying main event possible. Cody looks furious. Sorry, Roman looks furious as the match is now set to for Cody to finish the story. Rock is, of course, from uh, is from Florida, so it makes sense he could be the host of the show. And with the Hollywood strike going on, he may be available to make it happen. So, like I said, if you're gonna do The Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania 40, the only way you have Ro- Rome, um, Cody Rhodes finish the story is that either A, Elimination Chamber, or B, the Royal Rumble. And honestly, I feel like they need to they need to have him to finish the story at Royal Rumble because it makes the most sense for him to finish the story at Royal Rumble because that gives at least a good three months to build The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for you. And then after, you know, once that happens and Cody Rhodes finishes the story, the, the first person you should give a title shot to is either, it's probably John Cena more likely because... One, if you remember back in the beginning, I would say when he was at SummerSlam, not at, uh, yeah, when he was at SummerSlam, he was going against Roman Reigns to be, to try to become a 17-time world champion. And even though he did lose that, you know, that goal to Roman, he can revive it with, uh, with Cody Rhodes and be like, now that I am the now Cody can cut a promo like now that I'm the undisputed universal champion, and now that my story is complete, I want to start a new chapter. And then that's when he calls out John Cena. He said, "John, I admired you and I respected you for a very long time in this business, and I love what you've done over the years throughout this entire WWE. And I understand that you're looking to become the 17-time world champion." And I'm here to give you the opportunity if you're willing to take it. And John Cena comes out, cuts his promo. You know, he congratulates Cody Rhodes to be, uh, for dethroning Roman and to become, you know, the new Undisputed Universal Champion. And he said, honestly, and, he, and then Cody, and then uh, Roman, not Roman, uh, John Cena is like, out of all my years, I was, I was with this company for a very long time. As, as the protege, and now look at me now. Look at us now. And honestly, yes, I may have not, I don't probably have enough years left in this WWE, in the WWE, or in the ring in general, but I would like to fight one more time. And I do really want to become a 17-time world champion. So Cody Rhodes, to that offer, of, of me challenging you to be uh, for the undisputed universal championship, I gladly accept. And then there you go. His first rivalry is with John Cena at the next pay-per-view, uh, which is Backlash, and it's going to be for the undisputed universal cha- undisputed universal championship. And then but and then you have you set that that aside. That will be it. And then for Roman and and The Rock, you have The Rock 
beat Roman Reigns cleanly, and then he beat he beats Roman to become the new tribal chief, right? You have you have basically Solo out there, you have Jay out there, you have Jimmy out there, right? And you have the elders on top of the stage. Obviously, they have mics in their hand, just like The Rock. And he basically says, now that's your tribal chief, you can give one of these brave soldiers to become the new tribal chief, or you can stay tribal chief yourself. It's your choice, it's your choice, Rock. And he gives the lay back to the elders and be like, nah, these these three can, these three, I've seen how these three are in the ring and they do a fine damn job alone as a solo competitor. So they they should walk their own road, uh, walk their own, uh, own road from now on. But as for Tribal Chief, I don't need it. I really don't need Tribal Chief. I don't want to become Tribal Chief. And he gives the lay back to the elders and be like, the order is now restored. And we and then next, you know, we don't see Roman for months on end. We don't see him at Backlash. We don't see him at Money Bank. He probably doesn't even come back to maybe sometime next year or the couple months later on. And then you probably and whatever you want to do with Roman, if you want to turn him face, cool. If you want to keep him heel, that's okay with the, you know us too. But whatever you want to do with Roman, we don't care. As long as he loses the title early on before WrestleMania and loses the tribal chief, the role of tribal chief at WrestleMania, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And literally that's how you honestly book the entire storyline or the rest of the storyline for Cody Rhodes and The Rock. And whatever you do after that, you know, I hope it's good. I hope it's great booking for both sides, like the playing field. And I'm wishing nothing but the luck from over here. So overall, me personally, that's how I would view, you know, up for the upcoming, you know, WrestleMania season. And like I said, the bigger money match is going to be The Rock versus Roman. You can do Cody Rhodes versus Roman. For the title at Royal Rumble or at Elimination Chamber. That's your best to bet. Anything after that, you wasted our time at this point. I'm just telling the truth. So in uh, recent news, even though I'm a little late talking about this, um, there's a federal investigation that may may force Vince McMahon to step down from WWE again for the second time in a row. And I'm like... When I when I saw this, when I saw like the post, I'm like, what what did this nigga do again? What what did he do? What did he possibly do again? And it was covered from uh, ringsidenews.com and there's a whole article about it. And this is what they had to say. They said Vince McMahon's return to the WWE to seize power once again was a uh, was a string was a string of business moves that should be taught by the most ruthless professors for the rest of time. He is now back and speaking freely during the company's meetings, but how long would this uh, tenure last for Mr. McMahon? It's been a, it's been a tra- traumatizing year for Vince McMahon, WWE, and, and its fans. 
McMahon initially stepped down from his role last year at mid a rush money scandal, but returned in January. WWE struck up a deal with Endeavor next and merged with U. U sorry, I can't even speak. And merged with UFC into the TKO. This merger proceeded uh, despite ongoing federal government investigations into McMahon's disclosure payments related to the hush money scandal from last summer, which were absent from WWE's annual accounts. Vince McMahon is allegedly to have paid a minimum of $14.6 million to multiple women, including former WWE employees, to maintain their silence regarding claims of sexual misconduct and infidelity dating back to 06. An additional $5 million was reportedly paid to Donald Trump's foundation in Trump's television appearances from 07 to 09. Jacob Friendel, chair of Dick, uh, Dickerson's Rights Government Investigations and Securities Enforcement Practices Group and a, a former senior counsel in the, C, in the SECS or SEXT divisions of enforcement suggests to the LA Times that McMahon may face criminal or civil liabilities that could potentially lead him to his departure from the WWE from his WWE role. Dep uh, depending on the potential findings following in the in uh, injury into Vince McMahon, McMahon could face criminal or even civil liabilities that could prevent him from serving as an officer or director of a of a public company. With the federal authorities ex uh, executed a search warrant and uh, subpoenaed, or sub what is it, subpoenas? You know what I'm talking about. Vix McMahon on July 17th, no charges have been filed against him yet. It is important to note that the recent releases have significantly impacted moral of WWE's company headquarters. We'll have to see if this actually comes to Vince McMahon stepping down from WWE once again. At this time, we are having we are still awaiting this result from the ongoing situation. So apparently, from what I just read, that on top of the whole sexual scandal that he was facing um, last year in the summertime of 2022, apparently now he has also sent some money to Trump. Or to his to to Donald Trump's uh Trump's foundation from 0709 to keep his ass quiet as well too. So so we re this is what we're doing now. We're just I mean people have been doing this for a very long time, but trying to get Trump to shut up is beyond me. I'm sorry if you're trying to get Trump involved in this now, bro. You are the most dumbest person I ever seen. Because Trump will literally expose you for who you, for who you are and not give a damn about it after he says it. So I'm surprised Trump's foundation and Trump kept this a secret for a very long time. Because one, this is not like Trump. And two, he would expose you just because of your existence. So that's that's a little bit odd that he he kept it quiet for that for that long. And honestly. I hope and I really, really hope that he's gone again. But this time he cannot return at all. Because the last thing I want to see is him ruining or getting involved with creative talent like he did when he came back to the WWE and started ruining great things that that 
Triple H was trying to give us, but you know, he was tired of Vince McMahon's comeback and all the BS that happened. And why why do you think Stephanie McMahon like literally stepped down from being CEO of WWE for for that convenient time? Cause when Nick Khan sorry, when yeah, when Nick Khan, when Stephanie McMahon and Triple H was running WWE for those couple months, it was heaven every week. The the Monday Night Raw got better, SmackDown got better, like the storylines got better, the PLEs was to die for in those last couple months. Everything about WWE from that time when like when Stephanie McMahon became the CEO or the CFO or the CO, one of them three, and Nick Khan became the actual CEO of the company and was just a co-CEO of the company as well to with you know Stephen Man being you know part of you know CFO and then Triple H was still at you know in booking bruh that was the best couple months that WWE has ever experienced man and I'm talking about we had SummerSlam fire Clash of Castles basically one of the best best PLEs of all time Survivor Series was a banger um crown jewel was fire like everything about those last couple months was bangers bro those last four to five ple's was fire as hell fire as hell and and now and then when he came back it just went like the royal rumble was good elimination chamber fire wrestlemania it was good but could have done better and then everything after that, like, yes, Vince wasn't involved all that much, but at the same time, he was still getting involved with the weekly shows. And that's what we're like, bruh, can you just leave and just never, like, return? And now another federal investigation is now brought out to our attention about him doing some more hush money shit. And now that that's in the play... He may not come back ever. We thought that him leaving last year was ever. No, 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 no. This might be the last and ever time we'll probably see Nick McMahon. I know he beat the feds before, but there's no way that he can beat the feds now. Let's be completely honest. Because he had some other shit. He hushed. You, you gotta remember, he, back, back last year, he, and since 06, he was giving 14... Point six million dollars away to 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 WWE staff and wrestlers to hush them the fuck up so he can be like you know do all the sexual shit that he does and you remember all the sexual shit that he did back in that you know attitude era slash ruthless aggression era you feel me so he did a lot of perver- per, uh, perverted stuff in that time and fast forward to now well. You know, when they says karma's a bitch and karma's hitting him hella hard, you thought that 2022 hit him hella hard. No, 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 no. 2023 is about to be a bitch for Vince McMahon. Oh, my Lord. I can't wait for they be like, hey, Vince, I know you helped us to become a good company and everything. You, you basically combined MMA with WWE. And that was a, that was a great thing. It was great. But we got to let you go, Vince.
you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. We can't have you. We can't. We can't have you messing up our shit no more. I'm sorry. Hell no. Nah. And there, there's also some new stuff that happened um, six days ago. There's some new stuff that aired that Vince McMahon may be leaving WWE. And they, this is what they had to say in their uh, second article about the situation. They said that WWE is going through a lot of changes. The company merged with U, uh, UFC and now is under TKO. And the brand's new company came with cuts already. Over 100 employees were fired from WWE. And also, if you've seen the release list for the for uh, all the WWE talent, that as well too. And the slew of main roster releases followed. A recent S- uh, SEC filling uh, filling was uh, has I can't even talk. And a recent SEC filling has shed a light on potential desire by Vince McMahon to distance himself from WWE following the recent merger with Endeavor, which united WWE and UFC. It's important to know that Vince McMahon remains under federal government investigation with a search warrant executed by federal authorities after a federal uh, grand jury issued a subpoena to to Vince McMahon on July 17th. Today, no charges have been brought against him in connection with the allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity dating back to 06. As previously reported, John, uh, uh, was it Fennel or Frenkel, chair, uh, chair of Dickert, uh, Dickinson Rights Government Investigations and Securities Enforcement Practice Group and a former senior counsel of the SEC's Division of Enforcement expressed the possibility that Vince McMahon could face criminal or civil liabilities that could compel him to step away from his role within WWE. Following the merger, Vince McMahon currently holds 28.84 million shares of TKO, which is representatively valued at $3 billion. That's a huge chunk of the new company, but he is not the majority shareholder. Axios has reported on the registration fillings made by TKO, highlighting that Vince McMahon's registration allows him to bypass the lockup period that applies to other TKO stockholders, such as Endeavor and Silver Lake. TKO initially revealed that registration plan in an SE filling in August, um, indicating probably a lot of other shit that's probably way... um, That is basically... A lot of shit that I probably would not comprehend. Let's be completely honest. But just by hearing this, not gonna lie, even though his shares are worth three billion dollars, and that's a lot of fucking money for fuck a big for like a company like that. Like he needs to retire. He needs to retire. He needs to be let go, or he just needs to be fired because. At this point, your services are no longer required, Vince McMahon. It's not. Like, you you try to hush up motherfuckers that's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to hold this in no more. I'm, I'm going to make sure you're, you're going to get fired. Then did what you got to do. Even though this man is, you know, technically not fired yet, but it's only a matter of time before, you know, TKO pulls the trigger and be like, yeah, Vince, we don't want you here no more. You know, you 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 know, you were good while it lasted, but you gave us too much liabilities and we can't 
we can't do this no more. So we're just gonna we're just gonna have to let you go, you know. And you 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 do you did good while you lasted, but it's you know it's time for you to to hit the hay. It's time for you to skedaddle. It's time for you to um not come back ever. You feel me? And I understand why TKO you know is afraid of working with you know Vince now because now all those allegations is piling up on him from last year and it can only get worse from here and it probably will get worse from here the longer the longer they have Vince McMahon on TKO the longer this is going to drag out and the longer they will you know either be contemplating on where they're keeping this man with them or dropping them completely and have you know, either Triple H take over, you know, as well as being part of booking or Tony Khan completely, you know, doing what basically Vince McMahon did besides running and being the CEO of WWE. So it's just a matter of time before we see Vince gone. Like I said, it's a matter of time before we, you know, see, you know, him in jail or in cuffs because honestly, the man deserves it. He technically deserves to be in cuffs. I am tired and tired of seeing Vince McMahon constantly, constantly getting away with shit. And this time of getting locked up is now. I don't know why they're waiting, but I'm guessing they're trying to wait till they have all the evidence on that dude, which is understandable. But when until that happens, he is done for. Dude is not coming back. And we are going to be the happiest motherfuckers of all time. Literally be singing... Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Yeah. Oh, happy day. Hey. Oh, happy day. Vince is gone. Oh, happy day. He should have been fired. Oh, happy day. Should have been fired a long time ago. Oh, happy day. He was a liability. Oh, happy day. That's going to be us. That's going to be us when that happens. And what happens? Chef's kiss. Goodbye. And the last thing people's going to say is, na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. <laughs> and when that day comes, that's like rejoicing from a church, you feel me? And just getting all of that Holy Ghost spirit out your body. Um, I'm sorry, but it, that's hilarious to me. And oh man, I I really can't wait to the day that he is gone for good. Honestly, can't wait. Count down as we speak. But till then, oof. We we just hope this goes through, and we don't have to deal with this man ever again. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is the. Uh, it's the WWE, the WWE releases that happened uh some uh last week, but I'm not gonna be talking about all of them in this, you know, in this one episode. I will talk about four that stuck out to me, and I'm gonna label not label, but talk about each person individually and what WWE missed and what they personally did, and you know, how they were either a missed opportunity or shit was missing about them that, you know, they were not ready for or stuff like that. So first one I want to hit is Matt Riddle. And I'm going to say this. I love Matt Riddle. I really do love Matt Riddle. Like the dude has, you know, 
made his name known across WWE a lot. And from NXT, he was very he was very good on the mic. I mean, yes, he had a lot of funny moments, but he was great on the mic. He was uh, uh he was NXT, he was a former NXT tag team champion with uh Pete Dunn, aka Butch. He is a two-time Raw Tag Team Champion, RKO, Randy Orton himself with the bro Randy Orton. He was United, he's a one-time United States champion when he beat Bobby Lashley and John Morrison in that triple threat in the Thunderdome. And as much as I love, as much as I love Riddle and everything, he was a fucking liability to the fullest. I love him, but how he gets into trouble so often mind is mind blowing to me. The dude was a liability, and it, you could see it that it was just getting worse and worse and worse. On top of that, he was basically trying to he was basically dealing with drugs every single time. Like he gets high every single time. Then he had stuff to do with security and other people backstage and whatever else he can get his hands on. It never look good for Riddle, ever, ever, and I think the where WWE drew the line at is what happened in that airport when he said he was sexually assaulted in that airport, and after that, WWE said, no, we can't, we, you know, I'm sorry, Riddle, but you're, you're fired, you, we can't deal with this no more, like, and I understand why WWE, you know, cut him, I'm, so, I'm I don't understand why they fired him, because he got in way too much trouble, he was doing drugs, he's a, he, Dude is a, is a he's a stoner by blood. He's a stoner. Nothing wrong with a stoner now in this situation in this day and age because the society people love stoners. But in a in a sport like the WWE in like professional wrestling, you have to be serious, man. I mean, yes, you could probably be high here and there or once in a blue moon, but constantly to the point. Technically, that was his gimmick of like you know, basically a. In a way, a surfer dude, because of the shorts that he wears, he's a surfer dude, but he got high constantly. He was on drugs and weed constantly. And on top of that, the stuff, like the trouble that he gets in the public places when he's not at WWE is mind-blowing. And he he basically got what he deserved, and he got cut from the company, man. And honestly, he deserves it. From people that, from people that says, oh, why'd you cut great talent? Why'd you do that? Shame you, WWE. Shame you. They cut him because he was a liability to and an endangerment to his country, to the company. And honestly, if I was the CEO, I would have done the same thing. Either say, "Hey, you go back to you go back to therapy. You go back and clean up your act. But if you don't clean up your act this time, you're cut from good." And they gave Riddle so much chances to clean up his act and become better. And every time they he they have him do that, he fails. And that was the last straw. The whole airport security crap was the last straw. And they couldn't do that no more. And that's understandable. Because like I said, I would be the same person to cut this man with no question asked. I would. I don't care. And it says that, yes, Matt Riddle was uh, has confirmed that he was released from WWE. He logged on to X and broke the news. Matt Riddle is no longer a WWE superstar. Just want to inform everyone that I am no longer with WWE. Thank you for the memories and opportunities. And also thank you for all the fans for the support. And love you. And love you give me every time I go out to the ring. See y'all soon. And 
they said, and it also says from the article, we will have to see that the original bro, uh, we have to see what the original bro does next. He was involved with Drew McIntyre in a storyline prior to disappearing from television. Of course, that controversy at JFK Airport occurred right before his release. In case you need a refresher, Matt Riddle posted on Instagram that he was sexually assaulted by an officer at JFK Airport. This was a scene that caused when Riddle created a disturbance and then officers were called to the situation to handle things. Riddle went on to delete that post with the accusation. A ringside news exclusive reported that they were told that multiple attempts were were made to de-escalate the situation with Matt Riddle before things got physical. This situation at JFK Airport was described as a disturbance caused by Riddle. It was also told to us that Matt Riddle appeared to be heavily intoxicated at that time. Riddle then brushed off the suggestion from large formal complaint. He was allegedly disturb, disruptive and caused officers to be called. Matt Riddle dropped some, and basically he's so all that they're talking about him with the UFC days and all this type of stuff. So I'm letting you know, man. Every time they give Riddle an opportunity to be like, yo, like, I want you to get better, and I want you to come back clean and no shenanigans. And every time he comes back, shenanigans after shenanigans after shenanigans after shenanigans, and that JFK airport situation was the was the ice, was the iceberg that cracked, and WWE said, we're not doing with this, we're not dealing with this, um, we're done. We're done with you. You had way too many chances, and you're not clearing up your act whatsoever. We're going to fire you. You're fired, Matt. We can't deal with this no more. And that is 100% okay and the right thing to do in my book. For people that, you know, that said, I hate the BS and all this type of stuff. Dude, if you, and I'm going to put yourself, like, put yourself in CEO Nick Khan's shoes and the rest of the roster. If you have a person coming into work daily, high off the ass, you know they smoke, you know they, they're, they're a pothead, you know they're a stoner, you know they smoke weed a lot, you know they do drugs, you know they drink, they're intoxicated or whatever, and they do that constantly, every day on the job. Would you be quiet and not tell anybody and risk losing your job as well too? And be also the one that knew and then you got fired along with that person? Or B, go up to the, or actually confront the person, then tell, you know, your boss or so and tell them what's been happening and everything. And like, that's your two options. And me personally, I would pick B. I would rather be the one to, I will literally be the one to tell, you know, my boss what's happening and let them handle it. Because I rather I rather not be part of the situation than be another liability to the company and be a risk and be dangerous to that company. And that was a great call by WWE's move, the, the cut riddle, because why this man stays, you know, the, the how the why this man man the way he uh the way he is, is I I don't know. I really don't know. Even the higher-ups say that Matt Riddle burned too many chances with the company. And that is 100% correct, man. 100% correct. They said they said that he Matt Riddle has burned through too many chances with the WWE. 
And it says Vuero was not factored into immediately creative plans. He was doing some grappling training as per usual this week, and was said that and was said to be good spirits before his release. However, one WWE higher up said that he burned through too many chances while in the WWE, and I don't I don't blame them. I don't blame you. Give him chance after chance after chance to redeem himself, and it just gets worse. It gets worse and worse and worse to the point there's there's a hole that he just can't crawl out of. And he dug himself a hole that he couldn't crawl out of. And this and this explains it. If you know I understand you want to be yourself, that's cool. But to be high and intoxicated all the time and also, you know, basically disrupt the work environment and make it worse, not only for yourself, but for other people as well, too. You're not being a good role model for people that, you know, that love, you know, the business, that love WWE and want to make the name for themselves, man. You're just dragging yourself and and also dragging other people down. And I don't blame them for, you know, cutting the ropes on this dude. And it's... Yeah, it's it it was it was bad. If if they kept him, it would have got probably way worse. So I don't I don't blame him that you know he's gone from WWE. But you know a lot from since now that he is gone, there's a lot of people that's looking to get him. They said that the uh, UFC is looking to probably get him again. AEW was a big factor. Impact maybe New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's a lot of people that want Matt Riddle now to be part of their company. And and I think one like I said, one of the companies, one of the big name companies is AEW. They want Matt Riddle to um to be on their roster. But you gotta remember, if you're if Matt Riddle's gonna be on your roster, you gotta accept all this other flaws, especially the whole Jeffs, the whole JFK assault, you know, that Riddle started because he was being disruptive. They said, and it says that um, from um, Jim Cornette, from his podcast, he said that stylish, uh, stylishly, he, w- he would fit in the ring over there. The question is, not only would the audience see him if he comes over immediately and gets pushed, well, now he comes from the evil empire and and he's had accusations against him. So some might take that to heart. Or it's a WWE star coming in trying to do a CM Punk thing and take over. The name of wrestling is mostly associated with WWE. But if you get an audience that is that is hostile to the idea of them of them there to begin with, they're also so smart that um then it's not only sorry, then it not only hurts you when you bring them to, um when you bring them in because you're gonna get backlash. Soraya worked out sorry, Soraya worked out real well, but also it kind of penalizes talent because they're saying, F, I'm a big name coming out of w, uh, WWE television, but WWE hated me because I just came off of WWE television. And it says that WWE announcer also recently stated that Matt Riddle became a liability for the company. He also resurfaced in a recent photo shoot following in WWE release. The pro wrestling world would keep ties on Riddle's next move 
So only time will tell whether he will debut in AEW. And honestly, would I like him debut in AEW? Yeah, I would. Not going to lie. But for him to do that, he has to clean up his act. Uh, and I'm talking about his whole attitude, how he presents himself in public, the drinking, the intoxication, the weed, the dr- all that has to be gone. All of it. I don't care if you want to, you miss the sniff, the, the smoke, the puff pass, the blunt rolling, all the drinking, the, 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 the smell of drinks. It doesn't matter. For you to be back into professional wrestling and actually be taken a lot more seriously than you did in uh, WWE, you have to cut out everything. Everything that you did to basically be a liability and a dangerous liability in WWE, you, you know, all that stuff that you used to do and, you know, got away with for some time, you can't do that in AEW or else you're cutting from the spot again. Like, remember how they brought in CM Punk and he was the biggest attraction ever since that one line from that day that he said it's been downhill from there and he got fired from Tony Khan because of stuff that happened between he and him and the Young Bucks and all that other stuff. And now you bring in Ritalin and you're technically following Punk's footsteps with that, even though Punk, it was, you know, even, sorry, even though uh, Matt Ritter was never world champion in WWE before at all. So, like I said, it's just a matter of time. It's legitly a matter of time before, you know, AEW be like, you know what? We don't want you, man. Like, I, I understand you go in the ring, you're great on the mic, you're great on the promos, but your past has not really been that good. So, at the moment, we de- respectfully decline. Clean up your stuff. Clean up your attitude, clean up everything about you, and then we will consider it. But till then, nah, my boy, that's that ship is sailed. I'm just letting you know, you hell nah, <laughs> no. So, like I said, with Matt Riddle, the only thing that he needs to clean up, like I said, is his attitude and his whole drug slash drinking problem. But overall, everything else, like wrestling wise, he got that. He got it. Just needs to clean up his act outside the wrestling world. And, and until that happens, I don't think it's best for him to go to any wrestling promotion. Not to AEW, not to Ring of Honor, not to Impact, DPW, New Japan Bro Wrestling. Stay home, clean up what you got to clean up, you know, and then go from there. And be smart about it. Don't be stupid like you did before. Because Lord knows we don't need any more stupid. Just letting you know. So next one I want to talk about. And this 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 wrestler is, is really big. 19 years this wrestler has been in a WWE 4. And a lot of him was either missed opportunities and not enough praises and, you know, and yays for this man. And that is... Dolph Ziggler, the showman himself, technically in people's eyes, the Shawn Michaels of the modern generation. And I I don't know what to say when it comes to Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler is a is a specimen. He's a special person, dear to our hearts, because this man was literally in the cheer squad and named Nikki and then reinvented himself and became a very dominant guy in the WWE and loved to put over 
and love to put over young stars and help them out to, you know, to their potential where they are today on the main roster. But if you've seen this man back in like, you know, when he won the world heavyweight title and beforehand and, and basically throughout his entire career, you just had to be there. Oh God, you, you just literally had to be there because Dolph Ziggler was, yes, even though he was hated by all, but still loved by many. He had respect for me. He had a respect for a lot of WWE superstars in that in that locker room. He has a lot of respect for um, younger talent in NXT. And I would like to see this man have one more title shot. I would like him to have one more title shot before he left. But um, WWE is like, you know what? Like, we love you, Dolph. You've been in the company for almost 20 years. You gave, you know... You, you are great, but it's time to let you go. And obviously, when he got let go, the entire wrestling world just was sad, crying, fainted. They didn't know what to do or what to say. And the, the like it's like the world stopped for Dolph Ziggler because Dolph Ziggler was, like I said, he was loved by many, including me. He was loved by, he was loved by me, too. Even though, yes, he was a dick at times because it's Dolph Ziggler. It was how he was uh, portrayed to the people. But he had great, great moments. He, he, he's a Grand Slam champion. And I definitely, definitely feel like he will be in the Hall of Fame when, when that time comes, obviously. Um, but this man's accomplishments for 19 years is amazing amazing compliments and i give that to my man and he deserves all the roles all the rose petals everything about him he deserves i mean i heard that even um he's not really focusing on wwe or wrestling i won't say wwe he's not really focusing on wrestling anymore like he used to i heard now that he's uh doing stand-up comedy so if that is true and you if you are doing stand-up company stand-up company Dolph. I would definitely love to see uh, your one of your sets in uh, live and at a comedy club and cracking jokes and stuff. Because I would be, oh, I gotta, all I gotta see, you know, I'm looking at him like, wait, is is that Dolph Ziggler? Wait, what's up, buddy, bro? I miss you, WWE. Not gonna lie, man, but you're doing your own thing, and I, you know, I love to see that, man. I hope this, I hope the real talk. I hope he goes far as a stand-up comedian, as a wonderful WWE superstar, and I love what he does, and he's been in that business, like he said. In, in his um, promo in 2017 against the Miz, he said, you can give, 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 and you can give, and you can get nothing ret in return, and not everything will always love you back. That's why you, I can't stop. This is my future. I can't stop. And that promo still stuck with me to this day. And <laughs> that that will never leave my mind. That that line is in my head rent-free. Like, literally, this man is a two-time world heavyweight champion. He is a six-time intercontinental champion. He is a two-time United States champion. He is a three-time tag team champion. One as the Raw uh, Tag Team Champion with Drew McIntyre, and two with uh, Robert uh, Robert Roode. Um, he was he was Mr. Money in the Bank in 2012. 
He was a triple crown champion. He was a slammy winner. One in tw- like two in twenty fourteen. <laughs> like I said, you just had you just had to be there. Like when he won when he won the um when he legit won the money in the bank, the blue money in the bank. That was a moment. And then when he beat Alberto Del Rio, that was the best moment I've seen. Other moments I like by Dolph Ziggler is when it I think it when it was um of when it was a was a five-way match or a six-way match for the uh, WWE Championship back in I think it was 2018. It was I it was Dolph, Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, John Cena, I think Kevin Owens and one other person in that match. But that match is far and I and the best match that will always live in my head rent free and the best moment by by Dolph Ziggler is when it was Survivor Series back in 2014 and it was Team Cena versus The Authority and once John Cena got involved and Ziggler got involved bruh he was cleaning house on his own it was literally 5 or 4 to 1 dude was cleaning house on his own and at that moment, that momentum, that love that we see from the crowd, we were like, this man deserves a WWE title shot. He does. You could see in his face, this man deserves a WWE title shot. And yes, obviously, he was throwing a lot of WWE title shots. He was throwing a lot of opportunities that did that did miss and uh, didn't land. But the dude showed up and shot at every match he got. I know some matches he did with Goldberg and he got squashed in that SummerSlam match against Goldberg. Call him call him a bitch. Like you can't put me down and all this type of shit. And you know, that was that was a funny little thing that they did with uh with Dolph. But I just know that I know that WWE won't be the same with Dolph Ziggler because Dolph Ziggler has worked his ass off from a jobber that no one took seriously to, you know, to was uh, to one of uh, was it Chav Guerrero being uh, his um, bus boy to the show off, and that was known ever since since then. And dude had a wonderful wrestling life after that, and I can't be more proud of Dolph Ziggler. I really can't. I really this this is something big. Like when I like when I saw what happened when he got released. I was like, no, 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 this can't, this can't be real. This has to be fake. And he was released. And till this day, even though he is released, a part of me or a lot of me can't really, it's, it can't really move on. It's like hard to move on from a guy out of all on the roster is most talented for. And Yes, he. I think his one of his last matches was was with JD McDonough. If I if I have to uh, remember, and because it was they had a little small feud after the whole you know battle royale to figure out who was Gunther's next opponent at uh, Night of Champions, and like I said, it's 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 hard to talk about it, but at the same time. It's like I'm here to celebrate 
all the good memories and all, you know, all the good things that Dolph Ziggler gave us in that time. And I'm happy and I'm loving it, even though I did want him in the WWE for, uh, or not in the WWE, but to stay with the WWE for a long time. Because they, they, uh, they literally said that his contract was open or his contract ended in 2018. So I don't know if they had him as a free agent for a very long time, but he, he did a lot. And I think I remember his last title run was for the NXT Championship when he beat Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship and also beat him at No Mercy in 2022. Um, in 2022 for the, uh, was it, for the NXT Championship. So... I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. I really don't. But um, I'm I'm wondering what you know, Dota like what not WWE. What Dolph Ziggler plans on doing? Like I said, they said that he isn't. Um, he is technically doing stand up comedy at the moment, but I don't know how true that is. So I'm gonna go off that he's at home and probably with his kids and with his family and everything. But only time will tell with Dolph. So, bro. But thank you, Dolph Ziggler, for the great memories that you gave us in WWE. We will miss you 100%. You gave us a lot of great memories to remember, some funny ones and some bad ones that we'll always remember. Some of us, some of our memories will be rent-free in our heads, but we know that at the end of the day, you will be missed. We will always think about you. You're in our hearts. And, like, looking forward to your future endeavors, you know, after the, you know, the rest of the WWE releases fall through. But, yeah, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time in WWE. And we'll see you when we see you. All right. So, next person from the um, from the release list that I also want to talk about that impacted me and I was upset as well, too, from is uh, Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin has brought a lot to the WWE. I know he got signed back in, um, I think it was like, what, 2000? I think he got signed back in 2002 to the company. Um, and it was called, it was like OVW. I think that was, that was the company called. He got signed. Uh, he, I know, yeah, I remember he got signed with the company, WWE, but um, in 2000. And it was like the, the a developmental company called OVW, which is, you know, later on now is NXT, it was OVW, then FCW, then NXT. So, and he became, I remember he was a OVW uh, tag team champion for a minute now. Uh, he, was a OD, he was a OVW tag team champion with Brock Lesnar. On three occasions, and then in 2002, he was moved up from OE from OVW to straight to SmackDown, and then from people from that era will remember him as you know basically one of the greatest tag teams of all time with uh, Charlie Has, and he joined and he joined a uh, Team Angle, Kurt Angle at that time, and. They uh, that team won tag team gold 
on two occasions and around that time. And then in 2002 years later in 04, they moved him to Raw and he basically rose to fame like it was nothing. And yet, even though I was born when I was born the same year as when Shelton Benjamin uh, basically went to WWE. I mean, yes, I wouldn't know anything about that because I was very young at that time. But I didn't start looking at Shelton Benjamin, I think, around 2017 when he came back to the WWE. So when I heard about Shelton Benjamin, I actually had to, you know, watch videos of the past to find out who Shelton Benjamin was. When I found out who Shelton Benjamin was in the past, I was like, yo, I fuck with this dude. I mean, he wasn't my favorite, you know, WWE wrestler, but he is on the list of, you know, the people that I liked as WWE wrestlers. And Shelton Benjamin, every time you see him in the ring, he it's just a spark. He, you know, he he is very athletic. That was like, you know, before Ricochet was in the before Ricochet was a thing, before Mustafa, Mustafa Ali found his way to the WWE, Aleister Black, and a lot of other high flyers like like you know like them. And in my mind, in my mind, I feel like Shelton Benjamin was the type to be a great high flyer because if you've seen them. WrestleMania ladder matches for the Money in the Bank contract, bro, all those matches, I feel like he should have been, you know, Mr. Money in the Bank. Because back then, that's like their ricochet before ricochet was a thing. So, and I, I love that. And to to see, to, she, to see Shelton Benjamin and how happy he is, from there, where he was uh, then to where he uh, where he was before he got cut, recently, he brought a lot of things to the company, a lot of memories to the company. And even though he hit twenty years on main event, I wish he, you know, they bring him to the main roster to celebrate his twenty years. But um, I forgot when he hit twenty years, and he said, "Yeah, I hit twenty years in this company, and you know, I don't, I don't plan on leaving. I have a lot more left in this tank." And, you know, I am Shelter Benjamin. I am the golden standard. And there's ain't no stopping me now. I did have to listen to that, um, to that old, that old theme of his. And I'm like, yo, that, this theme was bumping back then. Well, what was I missing back then? Not gonna lie. So, um, th- th- like I said, this man has many accolades to come, especially one of the very memorable groups. The Hurt Business with Bobby Lashley, MVP, and uh, Cedric uh, Alexander. Um, I remember he was he was, in, he was in a lot of ladder matches, a lot of ladder matches. He was uh, he is a former three time twenty four seven champion. He is a one time United States champion, a three time Intercontinental champion, and a three time tag team champion, raw tag, you know, raw tag team champion to be exact. And I remember he did some stuff with all, like, you know, I think the last time I seen him was, uh, was, I don't really even watch main events. The last time I really seen this man was back in around like what, 20, I think 2021, 2022 on the main roster on raw. And I haven't seen that man since. And from what I've heard, he's been in 
He's been in the main WWE main event for a minute. He's just been he just you know held his ground there in the main event scene, in the main event one hour show, which sucks. But you know when you have nowhere else to go, that's where you basically stuck at is the main event scene. And the main you know the main event show is either for basically jobbers that has nothing else to do, or just new talent from NXT that wants to be known. From like a little bit of like a main event crowd before they go to the main event, you know, to the I won't say main event crowd, but they want to do like you know somewhat of like you will say like a raw SmackDown crowd without it being like oh you're on like the big you're in the big leagues. So that's like NXT is like the start of becoming a big league, like a, you know a main eventer, or it, to be on like the raw or SmackDown, and then the main event is like. If you want to do some matches there or you're trying to get your name out more or you're just trying to be a job or just trying to put over some talent, you know, a little bit, then that's what main event is. And then you have Raw and SmackDown for like the two big ass shows. So it sucks that, you know, Shelton didn't get a WWE championship opportunity. Well, I mean, yeah, he did. But besides the briefcase, I don't know when I don't know when he out. Uh, he got a WWE championship opportunity or world heavyweight champion opportunity because there's so much world bad world champions that should have been you know cut or should have been replaced by people like Shelton Benjamin cuz I feel like Shelton Benjamin would have easily been a big huge character or a good person to become at least a world heavyweight champion Probably not WWE champion, not like a John Cena or a Randy Orton or a Batista or a Triple H or a Brock Lesnar or them, or Undertaker, but just like a world heavyweight champion. Like, you know, compete for it like what you do like with Edge or Randy or, you know, people like that or Triple H, you know, them. I can see, I can see definitely Shelton Benjamin becoming like a a world heavyweight champion, just one reign. It doesn't have to be multiple, just maybe like one or two reigns, and then you'd be like, all right, cool. Then if he has like, you know, if you don't see nothing else in him, then that's on you. But overall, Shelton Benjamin, Shelton Benjamin should have been world champion because he had all, all the three accolades. He was just missing a world title. And then, bam, if you, if you wanted to cut him after that, that's up to you. But personally... Man, there's like back then, so much missed opportunities with Shelton, man. So much. And I, I remember he did leave back in, um, I think he, he did leave back in 07. I wouldn't say, well, yeah, I wouldn't say, uh, I wouldn't say back in 07. He probably left maybe around 2009, I think it was, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. Cause, when I was watching, uh, when I was watching uh, the old, like his old stuff, he he was on, he was working with ECW, and then in 08, he was drafted to SmackDown, where he did uh, beat Matt Hardy to win uh, the United States Championship, and then at SmackDown 500, he lost MVP, and then after that, he just spent this his little time left before his before he left the WWE um in like money in the bank ladder matches which all of them were banger money in the bank money in the bank ladder match especially with Shelton Benjamin 
him like climbing up the rope and then flipping and jumping off into the you know to the people like below him fire all his flips moves on the top rope on on the ladders fire like i said he was ricochet before ricochet was ever a thing and that's staying by me and when uh the independent circuit like you know ring of honor and new japan pro wrestling came around you know he worked in those companies and he was uh he was in like uh as he, he was the world's greatest uh tag team he won the ring of honor uh world tag team championships twice then after being an independent circuit for a minute then he returned back in uh 2017 with Chad Gable and they were but they were trying to become tag team smackdown tag team champions but that kind of failed and then he got involved with a little storyline with Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy cuz I do remember that storyline and then he was in a, he was nothing but battle royals Royal Rumble matches was a jobber for his life was just a jobber and just trying to get opportunity or trying to be on TV any any possible way he can and as, and when that didn't work in 2020, WWE decided to do a boss player move, and he joined the Hurt Business. He did won the 27, uh, 20, uh, 24 seven championship for like three times, even though they're all. I don't really recommend the 24 seven title as an actual championship because it's like it's a green belt that you had to defend anytime, any place, which sucked, and it was a trash title to begin with. And then after that. Cedric Alexander became uh was in the was in um in the hurt business and then after that I remember that match they faced the new day for the raw tag team titles I for I forgot what at paper at what pay-per-view they did it at and they beat New Day to become the new raw tag team champions and then um in 2021 they lost the titles back to the New Day because um, at that time it was Bobby in the Thunderdome. It was Bobby Lashley as WWE champion and it was Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin as Raw Tag Team champion. So they basically dominated over, you know, the Raw division for that time. And um, in March... Uh, obviously, they're attacked by Bobby Lashley, and then Bobby Lashley physically removed both of them from the group, and then the stable was no longer a thing. And he just remained as a tag team, uh, a tag team partner. And he just his last times or his last few times, he just remained in the tag team division. And on um, even though sometimes the stable, even though the sometimes the the hurt business did revive. For just a little bit, but it was never for like the long term because they only needed the hurt business to you know become a thing because there's you know no factions like that in in the Thunderdome or in like uh, the Performance Center like that when COVID hit. So a lot of the factions had to either break up or they left or they got COVID or they just never came back at all. And and the only factions technically that was left. In the WWE, well, in the WWE around that time, well, or sorry to say, teams as well too, was the New Day, Hurt Business, uh, John Morrison, and the Miz, the Usos, uh, 
heavy machinery, just to name a few. And yeah, everybody was was had they shine in a in the in the performance center. I'm not gonna lie. They had they shine. They did. A lot of them was heavy hidden for that time. But after that, it was like never the same for Shelton Benjamin. And after that, I don't remember what I don't remember when's the last time we seen him on Raw. But he had one last run on Raw, and then after that, he was just dropped to the WWE main event, and then he stayed there for the majority to the rest of his career till he got cut. So even though you know his first run was very, you know, his first run was was great. It was awesome in in the WWE. From OVW to WWE, his first run was phenomenal. Phenomenal. His second run, however, it was not that good. And I feel like in his first run, he should have been WWE champion. Or at least world heavyweight champion. At least once. And, you know, obviously if he wanted to come back to try to, you know, do that. Because I think he, 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 cut, he came back to try to become... At least WWE champion, because I, I knew he was not going to become Universal champion, but all that failed, and then his his last run was Raw Tag Team Gold, and dude was really never the same after that. But overall, Shelton Benjamin gave us great memories. We'll always remember Shelton Benjamin. You know, twenty plus years he was in the company for, and we'll um we'll love you, we'll miss you. And we'll we'll see you wherever you end up, man. And so the last topic and the last person I want to talk about, which is probably the most missed person out of the out of all four of these got all four of these guys that I'm talking about. And this is the one that y'all will probably agree with me the most, besides Dolph Ziggler. Is Mustafa Ali or Mustafa Ali? That that man was missed opportunity for sure. Oh, I don't know what WWE was doing with this man in in the cruiserweight division when C when um CW when it was like what cruiserweight uh division that when it was two hundred five live. There you go. That try to remember that two hundred five live when that became a thing. He was he was known, but not at heavy when he when he was NXT. NXT came around, bruh, fire. And when he, like when he was in NXT, that was fire. That was, mm. yes, he didn't win no titles, which sucked at all. But he was very good in the ring. Oh my lord, dude had some five star classics, and I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, it was, it was black and gold, so I wasn't really watching NXT heavily as I do now. But I know that him and NXT around that time, before his second round NXT, was Chef's Kiss fire. When he was a main roster, he had some fire matches. A lot of time it was jobber moves and stuff, but he had a lot of great matches, a lot of memorable stuff. Um... One of the misses, well, I would say two of the misses that I hate that WWE did to this day, well, even though one that wasn't his fault, 
but one that was indefinitely WWE's fault was him specifically supposed to win the 2019 Money in the Bank ladder match, but Brock Lesnar came out, stole his stole his moment, stole his victory, and Brock Lesnar became Mr. Money in the Bank when they knew his ass did not need the contract. They knew that Brock Lesnar did not need the contract, but they still pulled the trigger to have him get the contract to become Mr. Money in the Bank to the, so he can dethrone so he can throw in and cash in on Seth Rollins for the Universal title, which was not needed. I don't know why Vince said that was a good idea, but still this day, that doesn't age well in my book. That does not age well in my book, and I am pissed off still to this day that, honestly, if they if Brock Lesnar never came out, he was obviously he was never in the match to begin with, but if he never came out, if his music never hit, Mustafa Ali would have became Mr. Money in the Bank. Honestly. Would he became WWE champion? Possibly. Would he became Universal Champion? Probably not. But his chances and hopes would have been high. And even if he lost it, if he lost the briefcase in a great way to set him up to make a comeback to try to be in at, you know in the WWE championship scene, bruh, that would have the storyline for that would have made that would have been so much better. Cause I remember he had a chance to, you know, try to be WWE champion in the Elimination Chamber in 2019. But he got sick. I think he either got injured or he got sick. And then Kofi Kingston replaced Mustafa Ali. But I'm alleged, but as everybody said, if Mustafa Ali wasn't injured or he wasn't sick, we wouldn't got in Kofi, Kofi Mania. Oh, God. I'm going to say it again. If Mustafa Ali wasn't sick slash injured, we would have never got Kofi Mania and we would never had Kofi become WWE champion. And that's facts. And in my mind, as much as I love Mustafa Ali and his cape and his, you know, his in-ring work and how he is and how he moves in the ring with his ma- in uh during his matches. Kofi, like I'm actually kind of glad that we got Kofi Media. Not kind of. I am glad that we got Kofi Media because, man. If times were different, oh my lord, this man still would never become WWE champion. And all that, you know, stuff that they hyped up with Kofi would still never happen. And I also I think another one of his uh setbacks with Mustafa Ali was his promo skills. His promo skills was not the best at all. I will say this. Even though I did love him in the ring, I did love when the way he performed, the way uh, the crowd would love him, and how he put on great matches and great moves in and outside the ring. His promo skills and his mic skills was holding him back. He didn't know how to cut promos good. He sucked on the mic. He was not really that good on the mic. And after a while, like I, I loved him for just his 
work in the ring, but I just couldn't get behind him with cutting a promo because he couldn't really cut a promo to save his life. And then after a while, um, after a while, he just, uh, I remember like what, two years ago in 2021, he wanted to leave WWE because he he felt uncomfortable and he was like, bro, I can't do this no more. They declined him. They declined his offer to leave WWE at that time. And then after a while, we didn't see this man for a minute to became the leader of Retribution. Oh, boy. If you all remember how, how that went, if you know, then you know. But Retribution was the worst faction of WWE of all time. And I wouldn't say right. I wouldn't say right next. I want to say next to the Nexus, but right very damn close to the Nexus. And Retribution could have been over, could have, but all Vince McMahon saw Mustafa Ali was a joke, was a joke and was never taken serious. Don't know why they never took Mustafa Ali serious, but, you know, when you have people like that, when it comes to, you know, very death-defying matches... You know, people like Aleister Black, people like Mustafa Ali, people like Ricochet. You got to take an accountability that, you know, some, like, even if this match will somewhere or somehow suck, they will find a way to make it better and make it be, like, more interesting. People be like, oh, crap, that was a fire move. Like, what, what's going on here? And people will get more tuned in and more tuned in. Where you have, like, you know, basically, like, Guys that can't really hold their own and giving boring matches like Austin Theory and stuff, it's not going to look good. It's not. And Mustafa Ali, what I liked about him, like Ricochet and Alistair Black, he can make the crowd He can make the crowd going. He can make the crowd be hype on their feet and be like, oh, crap, yo, this is actually a really good match. Like sometimes his matches won't be five-star. probably be like four-star, maybe four-and-a-half maybe three and a half, you know, depending on who he's wrestling. But I honestly really feel that if Mustafa Ali had more, more, a little bit more star power, and if Vince McMahon was back behind him like that and wasn't seen as just a jobber a lot of the times in his eyes, then he would have probably got the push that he deserved to, you know, try to become champion. Because this man... It was hard for this man to become champion. Hard. This I don't think this man has ever won a title in WWE. He's never won the North American title, the NXT Tag Team title, the NXT title, the the United States Championship, the IC Championship. Obviously, he's definitely not going to win the World or sorry, the WWE Universal Championship or the WWE Championship. But he was damn close to do that when he when he almost, you know, won money in the bank. Or not even like a tag team champion, man. Every match that he had was a missed opportunity because at that time, Vince didn't know how to book him right. Didn't know how to book him right. And it was sad. It was sad to see that Vince didn't know how to book him right. As talented as this man Mustafa Ali was, Vince did not know how to book a high flyer, or any high flyer like Mustafa Ali in that range. And it sucked because that's more talented 
more talent that that Vince technically wasted. And it sucks because there's plenty of ways on how to book people like Ricochet, Buddy Matthews when he's in the WWE at the time, like Malachi Black when he was in the WWE at the time, Mustafa Ali before he got cut like couple day like uh, last week or a couple days ago. There's there's people like that you know you can book them. It's easy to book them, but Vince can't really take them serious because he feels like oh you're a jobber. Like you, you're like you know, you could probably do cool moves here and there, but you're not, you know, going to be like over the crowd like Seth Rollins or John Cena or Randy Orton or Roman Reigns or stuff like that. And it, it was sad to see, man. It was really sad to see. And then I, uh, and then after when Retribution didn't work, he got brought down to NXT. And honestly, he was, he was getting better at promos in NXT. Matches was all like basically five. Almost five-star classes or damn sure or was a five-star class. It was either one of them three. And on top of that, he had a match at No Mercy this coming Saturday. And then he got released and he got cut. But he wanted his release now for two years and he finally got it. So, you know, I'm at this moment, I'm happy for Mustafa Ali. Even though I feel like he could have been the one to dethrone Dominic Mysterio. But, you know... At this point, we, there's nothing we can do about it. He's gone. Um, but overall, what a missed opportunity that WWE did with Mustafa Ali. He should have been treated a lot better from the jump at WWE. Book, booking standpoint, they should have helped him, like, you know, behind the scenes, like, with the, with his promos and mic skills. And honestly, if that went, you know, if they helped him early on with that, he would have been a lot much more of a like a megastar and very more known than he already was in NXT. Um and now he's gone. We don't know what the future holds for uh Mustafa Ali or any of the people that I talked about, but you know, we we wish you luck in your future endeavors. Thank you for bringing everything to the WWE. We will always love you and cherish you for all the moments and the good stuff you have brought to the company. Um, we all like, oh, we 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 can reflect on the back, but on the bad, but this is not like this is positive. This is all positivity, and we like me as part of the WWE universe or as the wrestling universe. We love y'all. We. We hope to see you in like either Impact or New Japan Pro Wrestling or DPW or you know or maybe even AEW if that if even that happens. But overall, we will be happy with where you end up at. And I know if you know WWE, you know if WWE can't make you happy, I won't say that. If if basically WWE can't treat you right for all this hard work that you brought to the company. I know other wrestling companies like Impact and so will treat you guys right. So, Mustafa Ali, we'll see you around, man. Love you and Allah. But overall, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for everybody to tune in, listen to me, kicking to me, and vibe with me, chilling with me. I appreciate the love. I appreciate people that come in and view it. Like you don't have to be you don't have to subscribe. You just have to, you know, listen and be, you know, and you know, enjoy yourself. Cause this is this is about enjoying yourself, enjoying your uh your quality time, spend your quality time with me. You know, you feel me? Like I love everybody that rose in, likes you know, likes the episode, 
you know, if people have questions about it, you know, I, I would be glad to answer them. Plus, you know, the grind, in the grind, we don't, we like, you know, work don't stop. Grind don't stop. You feel me? 2023, we going to the top. We never ever going to stop, baby. You feel me? I'm a, I'm going to put in this hard work. I'm going to put in that grind, that effort, that hard work every single week because I love what I do. I love what I uh, put out for y'all. I love talking about wrestling. Like I said, wrestling is life, my boys. Wrestling is part of my life, and that's never, ever going to change. That is never, ever going to change. And like I said, I love what I do. And, you know, people don't fuck with me. People don't like what I put out. Okay, you don't have to listen. You know, it's me. This is what I do. This is what I love to do. This That's why I do it every single week. You know, and honest to the haters out there that don't like me, okay, you don't have to fuck with me. Simple. <laughs> you feel me? But uh, this is your boy, Antoine TV2, host of Organized Mess. You can follow me across all social medias at ODM official across the podcast, organized mess on YouTube. And for my personal stuff, Antoine TV2 across all social medias and Antoine TV2 on, you know, the YouTube page. It's, you know, like I said, like I will upload soon on that. Like I said, don't know when, but it's coming soon. You know, just got to think of some good ideas and there we go. We start uploading on the main channel. But uh, I appreciate everybody to tune in and kicking with me. Hope everybody has a great night. Hope everybody has a great day. Hope I hope everybody enjoys themselves. Stay blessed. Stay safe. And I'm out.